Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. This is what we should be like as believers. We're, we're shouting with joy to the Lord, right? We're worshiping Him with gladness. We're coming before Him singing with joy. It's a joy. Now, here's the other side of this. If you're having a bad day, you can still sing with joy, okay? You might not be smiling, right? But you can still, joy is not, it's not dependent upon our circumstances. Joy is above our circumstances. You can still have a joyful heart and be having the worst day of your life. Do you ever have times where you feel like not worshiping the Lord because the trial you're going through is weighing you down? Well, in today's message, Pastor James challenges us to worship the Lord joyfully, no matter what our circumstances might be. We're called to worship Him joyfully because joy is above our circumstances. It's easy to get lost in the chaos of life, but remember, the key to unlocking boundless joy lies in worshiping the one that holds your heart and every situation in His hands. Remember to lean into the Lord and into His love. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Psalms, chapter 100, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Psalm 100. Here's the deal about this psalm. I'm going to throw out a little bit of background stuff. There's not a lot of background information concerning this psalm. This is called the Psalm of Thanksgiving. It's aptly named that because of, well, we'll see it in a second. But as far as who wrote the psalm and all that, we're not too sure. Probably could have been David. Definitely could have been him. But it follows this, uh, a few psalms that were all about um, praising the king of kings, okay? Like the royal psalms is what they call those. And, and Psalm 100 would be like the very end of that. And so that's what's, what's kind of cool about this, just this little bitty, little bitty psalm that's like right, right in the middle in the heart of the Bible. Um, and it's a classic one. In fact, there's been a few songs that have been written based on this psalm. Now, technically, it is a song, so it's kind of funny that you write a song about a song. But um, there have been plenty of uh, songs that have been written about this, and it's, it, this has spurred on uh, different things. But um, this is one of uh, Charles Spurgeon. He, he loved this psalm. And many, many commentators, you can read commentators, they all like value and cherish this beautiful little tiny psalm. So we're going to read through this thing. And then we might jump around a little bit scripturally, but um, uh, that, that's the goal. Is we're just going to walk through this five verses and, and see, what we, see what, we, what we ought to be doing as Christians, okay? So verse one of Psalm 100 says this. It says, shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth, right? So that's just first verse, right? Um, And because of the nature of this, we can break this thing down verse by verse and even term by term if we want to. But the shout means it's a glad shout, okay? This this should be the attitude of every Christian. This should be the the, kind of the mindset, but not only just the mindset, but just how we carry ourselves, Shout, a glad shout. And it's, it's kind of that thing of, um, well, we don't really know too much what this is like on this level. When the king would approach the, the city and the subjects would see the king, it was like that's their response in seeing the king. It's a shout. It's a glad shout. Hopefully, if he's a good king. If he's not a good king, there's probably no glad shouts, okay? Um, but we could liken this to 
when your favorite when your favorite team takes the field, right? Everybody loses their minds, right? Like, woo! Oh, we we know. Don't get me wrong. Americans, for sure. People, especially anybody on the planet nowadays, we know how to worship. We just sometimes worship the wrong things. But we're really people are really good at worshiping. We are. We are naturally good at worshiping. We are. We we worship when our when our when our favorite team when our favorite team is doing really well. We know how to worship. That's worship. That's, that's like, you know, you're expressing joy. You're shouting praise. Uh, oftentimes, our worship is directed towards the wrong things. But in this psalm, the psalmist is saying, listen, a loud shout is what he's deserving of. A loud, I'm combining words here, a glad shout, okay? When the subjects see their king. Um, and this is kind of like what, what the psalmist is talking about. And we'll see, he kind of gets it, he breaks it down into like temple kind of language. But he's like, what, how do you react when you if, you, if you were to see Jesus, how would you react? Hey, Jesus, what's up? How's it going? It's cool, it's cool, it's cool. You know, whatever. It's like, we didn't know. I don't think, do you know who he is? Like, you're not going to be like, play it cool, man. Don't get, don't, you know, don't, don't fall into that, that celebrity thing, right? No, listen, you, if you see Jesus, when you see Jesus, more likely you're on your face. And, and a, this glad shout kind of a thing would naturally just come out of you. Nobody's super cool in the presence of Jesus, right? Nobody's like, yeah, yeah, what's up, man? Hey, yeah, no, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. How are you doing? Um, it's like, what? No, it's Jesus, King of Kings. Give him a glad shout. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, all of the earth. Another element to this, this glad shout, uh, Charles Spurgeon said this, a happy God should be worshiped by happy people. And that makes perfect sense. A happy, and that's, unfortunately, here's another thing. Um, we don't often, we don't always think of God as being a happy God because of what, he, he's always portrayed as the mean guy, right? He's the grumpy grandpa upstairs who's yelling. He's, he's just so fed up with, uh, with his kids, basically, is what it seems like. Don't be too loud. Don't do this. Don't do that. Man, he's going to get you. God's going to get you, right? That's what we're like, we're, it's, it's almost like kind of what we're, we've been trained with, right? And it's, yeah, those are good tactics and one way to, you know, keep kids on, you know, from being knuckleheads or whatever. But unfortunately, it puts God as like the bad guy. We're always painting him as the bad guy. But really, and this psalmist really kind of gets it, and I, I think Spurgeon actually, he saw that. It was like, he's, he's a happy God. He's a happy God. He's not, you know, oh, these people are so annoying and all this stuff. And it's, it's not, I, I don't ever see that when I read the word. When you start from the beginning and you go all the way to the end, I don't, I, yeah, is there a vengeful God? Is there a just God? Absolutely. But I also understand because we read the entire word and we go through the Bible that it breaks his heart when people reject him. It like breaks his heart. It's, you know, God wishes that none would perish apart from him, like not knowing him. That's, that's indicative of a happy God a joyful God, a loving God, not a grumpy God, right? So why are Christians so grumpy at times, right? We, I think sometimes we walk around and it's just like, not that we're happy slappy all the time, because that's just off-putting in and of itself, because then you're not real, okay? But we can be joyful because we serve a joyful and joyous God. 
happy God should be worshipped by happy people. Should be worshipped by happy people. And um, so he goes on, okay? So shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. So everybody's included within this. And, and we already know this, the heavens and the earth and even the creatures themselves, they're already way ahead of us on this thing, okay? Jesus had said himself, you know, when he was going into the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, were, were all mad because everybody kept saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they kept telling Jesus, like, tell them to be quiet. And Jesus says, well, if they stop doing it, the very rocks will cry out, meaning nature itself is already proclaiming this. Nature gets it. Nature gets it. Nature knows who created it. And, you know, and there's, there's proper and respect and reverence there in probably weird ways that we don't even understand, okay? Um, which is maybe good. Maybe that's a good thing. But I think there's a, there's a whole element to this thing of, like, creation gets it. Unfortunately, we separate ourselves from creation, which, you know, we are distinct. We're not animals, okay? We didn't evolve from the same thing. People, human beings are distinct from animals. We definitely are. But we oftentimes miss what I think, what creation gets every single day. And, and the, the word even tells us that creation itself is, it's groaning. Um, it's a sad thing when creation itself grieves and groans more for justice than what we do as human beings. And we're made in the image of God. And yet you have animals. Animals are not made in the image of God. You know, trees and not that those things, created by God, they, it seems like nature kind of understands. And nature, pray, in one sense, is like it's worshipful of him. And here we are as humans with intellect, and sometimes we think we're smarter than that. And it's, it's a sad state, but here in the psalm, and you read it, read through all the psalms, and you can kind of, there's, there's little things dropped every so often of like, uh, all the earth. And what does it mean when it talks about all the earth? It's talking about all the earth, the people and the things that God has created. Creation itself recognizes who he is. And we should, we should get on board with that. Now, don't go weird. Don't start worshiping creation because then you've missed the point, right? It's not worthy of our praise. Trees and landscapes and animals, they are not worthy of our praise. They did not create us or anything like that. God himself has created us. We were made in his image. He alone is worthy of our praise. Should you respect nature? Yes, absolutely. Treat it with respect. Don't throw your trash out. Don't mess with Texas. Don't mess with nature. Just leave it alone, right? Like, Take care of it. Be responsible. Be respectful. But let that be what that beautiful sunset should cause you to worship God. Those beautiful mountains should cause you to worship God, okay? Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Verse 2, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy, right? That's, this is like, there, there's this, this element of like emotion that should be brought within worship. Now, worship is not about emotion in the sense of the, the feelings, right? Because if you don't get the feelings, it doesn't mean it wasn't effective. If you don't get the goosebumps, it doesn't mean that something was wrong and it's not working because worship is not about goosebumps. But on our part, when we come to worship, should be with joy, should be with gladness. There should be emotion, right? There should be an, an air about us that we're like, we're happy to be here. And when it's time to sing songs, we're happy to sing songs. 
It's not the, you know, begrudging, like, oh, can we just get this part over? Because, you know, that's not what it's about. You're miss- we're missing it if that's what it's about. And so the psalmist here, he's creating this, this cool little, like, um, scenario in one sense of, like, this is how our hearts should be. This is what we should be like as believers. We're, we're shouting with joy to the Lord, right? We're worshiping him with gladness. We're coming before him singing with joy. It's a joy. Now, here's the other side of this. If you're having a bad day, you can still sing with joy, okay? You might not be smiling, right? But you can still, joy is not, it's not dependent upon our circumstances. Joy is above our circumstances, you can still have a joyful heart and be having the worst day of your life, okay? You just might not be happy, and that's okay. <laughs> that's, that's all right. You can still be joyful, and when it comes time to, to sing praises, and, and worship isn't just about singing songs, but it certainly is a, a big element of it. But when it comes down to just singing songs and, and singing his praises, that should be done with a joyful heart because of who you're singing to. And it's not your neighbor, it's not who's sitting in front of you, and it's not the worship leaders or anything like that. You're not singing to anybody like that. You're singing to the Lord, and he's worthy of, he's worthy of our praise. It goes on to say, verse 3, acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us, and we are his, uh, or we are his people, or we are his, and we are not, a, we are not our own. That's a fascinating little, little side note. Your, your Bible may have that, um, or may include it within there, but other manuscripts, um, have included, and we are not ourselves. Basically meaning like, if the Lord is your Lord, if he's your Savior, well, you're his. You're his. You're his sheep. You're no longer your own, right? You've surrendered over to his lordship, and, uh, and, and that's the, the smartest move any of us have ever made within our lives, doesn't mean that you lose yourself in one sense. It doesn't mean that, like, well, if I do that, then but what about me? Listen, you're really good about taking care of you. We all are, okay? If we're honest, we probably, if we actually wrote it out, how much me time we have, we probably get a lot, okay, if we're true about it. And if you need more, just, hey, work on your schedule. But what I would recommend is this. How much of it is the Lord's time and how much of it is me time? Because I know for me, the me time oftentimes far surpasses the Lord's time, okay, in my own walk with the Lord. So before we get, I know because this is a thing where it's like, no, I got to have me time, me time, me time. You have it. You just might not be smart about how you use it. And that's on you. That's on you. Re- restructure your, per- you know, your priorities within your life. But I would say it's all the Lord's time. And if he gives you any second he gave us today, we're all alive here today, even if it's halfway, we're all alive here today, then that's a gift from God. That's a gift from God. He made us, we are his. The first part of that verse, so it says, acknowledge that the Lord is God. Our worship should be intelligent. This is a mark against Christians, uh, or it has been for a while, is that Christianity is a, it's a crutch for weak-minded people. I don't know if you've ever heard that, but um, that's, that's kind of one of the things that's out there. It's still pretty prevalent today, especially from intellectuals. They would say like, oh, well, your, your faith is your crutch because you're weak-minded. You're just not strong enough to make it through this life, and you need something to help you get through this life. When in fact, the Bible is very, very clear about our worship should be intelligent. 
You should actually engage your minds when you show up to church. If you notice in, in our entryways, we don't have a place where you leave your brain. Okay, I don't know if you guys noticed that, but we actually want you to keep it because we actually want you to use your brain that God has given you because our worship should be intellectual. It should be intellectual. We should be constantly growing in our understanding of, of who he is and, and, and what he's done. And the psalmist, the psalmist got that, man. He, he understood, like, and if this was David who wrote the psalm, he spent most of his life outside, out, outdoors, you know, so he got to witness a lot of things. He got to, he got to witness, you know, taking care of sheep and, and dealing with wolves and bears and lions and all that good stuff and, and how these, you know, these animals, these beautiful little animals that are just about as dumb as all get out in one sense, and they're kind of smart, but also kind of dumb, right? Um, but he got to watch just like the beauty of creation and how that was God and how intelligent God is and, and how he designed everything so perfectly and that should trigger within our brains that, man, God, he is, he is intelligent. And what I bring to him should not be mindless, like, I'm just going to sing some songs. I'm just going to open up this book and stare off into space and, and just so I can check off my box and go about my business. It's not about that. It's about engaging yourself with the elements of worship, singing the songs. Know what you're singing. Here's another thing, good little point. When you are listening to music, you ought to know what you're listening to. The lyrics, they matter. They matter. Now, listen, I'm a hooks and beats guy, okay? I love, I mean, I can get swept up in a good, catchy song, and it's just like, got the right beat. I'm like, yeah, I'm all in, right? Like, I'm, but then you stop and you listen to the lyrics, and you're like, well, this is stupid. Like, this doesn't make any sense at all. It doesn't. And a lot of songs out there, they just don't make a lot of sense, right? Because why? Because Unfortunately, it seems like nowadays, lyrics don't really sell. It's hooks and beats. It's all that stuff, right? Even in our worship songs, what are you singing? What are we singing? How much of it is about Jesus and how much of it is about us? These are things we ought to consider. And if it's like, this song's like 90% about me, stop singing it. Did, you don't need, no, Jesus, more Jesus. But you got to engage your brain. you you got to turn it on and, and think through some of this stuff. If you're to show up and you're listening to a teaching from a pastor like me, well, what, what am I saying? What, am I actually teaching from the Word? Am I actually, like, treating this book here with tremendous amounts of respect as it is the Word of God? Or is it just like a, a launch pad kind of a thing? I can read my verse, and then I can jump off into my funny stories and my clever stories or my emotionally driven stories to get you to cry and to move you, to get, you, to get those feelings, right? And then you walk out of here, and you're thinking like, man, that was good. That was really good. What'd you learn? Nothing. Huh. Then it's not good. Then it's not good. Those songs that you sang, what'd you sing? I don't know. <laughs> go back and sing them again. You, we got to engage our brains. God's given us this beautiful thing up here inside of our domes, and we got to engage these things. Know what you're taking in. Know what you're taking in and, and what's being fed to you. And Christians should, be, should absolutely be 
some of the most on, uh, on guard kind of people running that filter. It's the, the Bible filter. It's the Jesus filter. Like, it's got to run through this thing, okay, before I'm going to give it any space here because the goal is for it to, you know, whatever information, whatever lyrics, then to process into here and to make it down into this thing, which is your heart, okay? But it's got to run through a filter, and you, you got to let it all pass through a filter, and that filter should be like your Jesus filter or the Bible filter. Something has got to pass through there before you ever let it into here, okay? But it takes this brain. It takes the brain to do that. So acknowledge that the Lord is, the Lord is God. He made us. We are his. There's an element of submission that's there. It says we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So before you think too highly of, before we think too highly of ourselves, we should, we should understand that we are sheep, okay? We are all sheep. These, again, clever, little, beautiful, little, probably stubborn creatures that get themselves into all sorts of trouble, all sorts of trouble. Um, there's, there's plenty of books that have been written about these things, um, but there's one book that I would recommend. The Shepherds Look at Psalm 23, uh, and it deals with a, a guy who, who at one point in time, he was a a shepherd of sheep. And he talks about just the headaches and frustrations that you deal with, um, with, with some of these sheep. And you're just, and it, it's so funny how it mirrors humanity. I mean, it's just like, there couldn't have been a better animal that God used to describe us as, right? And you read through some of those stories and you're just like, man, that's what God has to deal with? And it's like, yeah, yeah. That one sheep that like, stop wandering off why are you going to the dangerous places? Stop. No. And what does the shepherd have to do? The shepherd goes and pursues the one. He leaves the 99 to go get the one because the one, it's going to kill itself. Like, you don't understand the danger. And then the beauty of that shepherd getting that sheep and then sometimes, cause, sometimes having to go for drastic measures and breaking that sheep's leg so that it learns the lesson of like, you need to stay close to the shepherd. The coolest part about that, if the shepherd ever has to do that, breaks the sheep's leg, mends it back, carries the sheep on his shoulders until it's healed. That's what, isn't that what the Lord does for us? He's like, hey, stop, stop going there. Oh, okay, Lord, I'm going to do better today. He's like, let you out of the sheep pen and you're like, right, beeline, right to the, the edge of the cliff. And he's like, ah, okay, crack. Well, that doesn't seem loving. Oh, it's the most loving thing ever. It's the most loving thing ever. You may not be aware of the ledge that you're quickly approaching, or you may not be aware of the herd of wolves or the pack of wolves that's just around the corner, right? But the shepherd knows. The shepherd knows. We're the sheep. He's the shepherd. Read Psalm 23. That's speaking of, that's a, that's speaking of the good shepherd who is Jesus, John chapter 10 Jesus said himself, I'm the good shepherd. I know how to take care of my sheep. I know how to anoint them with oil. If they're sick, I know how to take care of them. If they're hungry, I know how to feed them. I know how to bring them into the best pastures. If we're going through a dark valley, I know how to lead them through that dark valley to get to the other side. I know how to make them rest beside the, the, the still waters. We are his sheep. And sheep would do really good. I, as a sheep, would do really well in just to trust the shepherd. Just to hear his voice and to follow him. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken.
You've been listening to the radio ministry Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're based out of Galveston, Texas, with the support of Calvary Galveston and listeners like you. We trust that what you heard in today's message stirred something inside of you to a point of action. These teachings are meant to help you find hope and new life in Jesus, and that's our heart's desire for you today. If you're in the Galveston area, would you come be a part of what's happening at Calvary Galveston? Our atmosphere is simple, laid back, and uncomplicated. We just want to magnify Jesus at all ages. To learn more about our ministry, we invite you to visit breadforthebroken.com. We also do a live stream on Facebook, so check it out, even if you are a little further away. If you're interested in hearing more messages like this one, you can do that by going to the Listen tab at breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, why not discover a little more about the church and this ministry, as well as look for opportunities to partner with us here. There's a Give tab that's easily accessible on our website too, if you feel led to support us in a financial way. We'd also love it if you would join us in praying for this ministry. Pastor James is excited to share new things with you in the coming study. There's always more that we can gain from diving deep into God's Word. Until next time, we encourage you to stay connected to God and His Word, and to then come back for more solid teachings right here. We'll be waiting for you, here on Bread for the Broken.